Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, 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 my friends, to episode six of Jock Talk. I know y'all happy, okay? Cowboys stomp. Or did they just kick their butt? Destroyed. Or did they just run them over? Anyway, they beat the heck out of the Jets 30 to 10. Now, I got to tell you. I thought it'd be a little closer than that. My boy Clarence Hill Jr. scoffed at me earlier this week. I think uh, on the uh, media match, what I do with the Cowboys uh, on Wednesdays and Thursdays that you can catch on DallasCowboys.com, uh, I think I predicted 20-7 to 7 Dallas. Uh, see, I thought the Cowboys' defense would do well. Uh, I thought the Jets' defense would do a better job of holding the Cowboys. But I tell you, Chills, like, as soon as Zach Wilson was named to start, he was like, nah, bro, it's going to be a Cowboys blowout and I don't know that he predicted 30 to 10 he may have predicted 31 to 3 something like that anyway bottom line your Dallas Cowboys 2 and 0 for the first time since when 2019 oh before I forget um, Big Joe and the Big Rig producing the show you may hear from him a little bit today you may not we'll see how it goes (laughs) Because uh, he's being the trooper tonight. I'm up in Philadelphia. Y'all heard the show the other day up here celebrating uh, my father's uh, milestone birthday, which we're not allowed to talk about in terms of years. But I had a great day uh, watching football with him, watching the Bills beat the Raiders, and then uh, hanging with my sister, who's a Bears fan. And the uh, Bears uh, lost to Bucks today. I'm going to tell you this real quick before we get into the nitty-gritty of the Cowboys' 30-10 uh, to 10 win over the Jets. Uh, my dad and my sister are such big football fans and when they watch the game they are into the game that my dad tried to watch it my sister said hey why don't we do just do the split screen and then uh, I can watch the Bills and you can watch the Bears and she said dad I love you that's not happening uh, I got another big TV up in up in my office uh, it's got a couch in there. I'm going to take you up there. Or you can stay here and I'll go up there. But I need the full TV on the Bears game so I can really focus. And he was like, okay, if I tell you the truth, I really want the full TV on the Bills game so I can hear the commentating and everything else. So that's what big sports fans they are. That's how it went down today at my sister's crib in Philly. And then uh, me and my dad watched the Cowboys game and for uh, most of the game. And then he got up and uh, took a flight back. I believe he's on a flight right now back to Buffalo and then I'll be heading back to Dallas tomorrow for all those interested in my itinerary enough of that though let's talk about this Cowboys 30 to 10 win over the New York Jets Uh, first thing about it right off the bat impressive in control the whole way got to give them some credit Uh, this first time since 2019 they've been 2-0 they've outscored the Jets and the Giants by 60 points how about that and listen to this. Here's a fact I picked up from my boy Todd Archer. Um, they're the first team to score 50 points before allowing an A point since the Los Angeles, I guess there was San Diego Chargers and the Chicago Bears in 2006. A uh, huge performance for the Cowboys. Oh, we have a little more news for you that we'll give you right now since I got that fact from Todd Archer. Todd Archer will join us each and every Wednesday for a weekly chat sponsored by Smokey John's Barbecue. So, next time you're in Dallas, swing by Smokey John's Barbecue, get that jam session bowl, tell y'all about it, and uh, they're helping us help you enjoy Todd Archer and all the information he brings from the Dallas Cowboys. I feel pretty confident that nobody's going to have a better Cowboys lineup than Archer, who's covered the team since, I believe, 2003. Clarence, who builds himself as the longest-tenured beat writer 
uh, in uh, Dallas Cowboys history. He's on year 27. And me, I've been covering the team as a beat writer, uh, columnist, TV insider, and a radio host since 1995, which is 28 years. So there's a lot of wealth of information there. And we can't share it with you. This game was interesting to me because I love the way it started. And it started with the Cowboys just taking the ball. And this is what you had to do, man. When you're playing a team like the Jets, and the Jets got a terrific defense, but we know their offense is shady. Why is it shady? It's shady because Zach Wilson is starting. Zach Wilson, number one, number two pick in the draft uh, just three years ago, was so bad his first two years, so very bad that – uh, the Jets management decided, you know what, Doug, we got to move on. And so they went and acquired Aaron Rodgers, made Zach Wilson a backup. Well, four plays in 50 seconds into their offensive season, Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. He's out for the year. All right. Zach Wilson instantly the starter. And so when you look at the Jets, they built their team for Aaron Rodgers to be the guy. They added Dalvin Cook to give them insurance in case Brees Hall wasn't ready to be dominant coming off a torn ACL suffered last year. Uh, They brought in Randall Cobb. They got Alan Lazard. Uh, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, the number one pick last year, is a budding star. All of that lets you know that, you know what? For the Jets to win this game, they're going to come in and try to run the ball, shorten the game, and see if they can steal it at the end. Why? Makes perfect sense because the Cowboys' run defense was kind of suspect, if we're going to be honest, last week against the Giants on the first series uh, before the Giants had that ill-fated procedure penalty which led to a fumbled snap, which led to a block field goal, which led to a Cowboys touchdown and ignited a blowout victory. I hope you all followed all of that. So as we fast forward back to the Jets game, the strategy, it seemed to me, was clear. Make Zach Wilson beat you because we don't think he can. And so to do that, the Cowboys need to do two things. Number one, go get a lead and force them to play from behind so they have to throw and they can't be committed to the run. That's number one. Number two, stop the run. Make them throw. If you got to use eight and a half in the box to do it, then daggone it, put eight and a half in the box, play man-to-man with Stephon Gilmore and Trayvon Diggs, and force them to beat you in the air by stopping the run because Zach Wilson ain't proved he could beat anybody in the air. So the Cowboys get the opening kickoff. They take over uh, at their own 25. And, hey, it's a great drive. It's a good run of mix of run, pass, and it ends up with a uh, touchdown pass to Jake Ferguson for four yards and a touchdown. I mean, it's really a perfect drive, man. 12 plays. 75 yards, 5 minutes, 41 seconds. And just like that, you done put pressure on the New York Jets because they're already playing from behind. Um, I I had a little voice inflection on Jake Ferguson. Why? Because we know he dropped a touchdown. Well, he dropped a key pass last week. It would have been a first down. Uh, The tight ends dropped a a couple passes. Peyton Hendershot should have had a touchdown. But anyway... Uh, because of that, I gave Jake, Jake a little more inflection. So it's seven nothing, and just like that, man, it's a, um, you know, I'm like, wow, you can ask for a better start. And then on first down, the Jets get the ball at the 25. Brees Hall goes off left tackle. Boom! Oh, your boy Demarcus Lawrence planted that dog, just planted him, and I was like, oh, okay, it's on and popping. This is exactly what you had to do. Uh, they forced the three and out. And really right then, I was talking to my dad. I'm like, man, this is one series away from being a blowout already. Because if they go up 14 nothing, um, the Jets just will feel like they are on. They got the weight of the world on their shoulders. And it, it could get ugly real quickly. Uh, but uh, the Cowboys couldn't really uh, couldn't score right then. But here's the deal, man. Um, that drive stalled. But the Jets just never felt like they could do anything offensively. So the Cowboys lead 7-0 after one quarter. Uh, they push it to a 10-0 in the second quarter on a 35-yard field goal by um, Brandon Aubrey. 
And at that point, really, we're in the second quarter. And, um, you know, we're midway through the second quarter. It's 10 nothing, And I don't know about y'all, but I'm just like, I don't really see how the Jets are going to score unless you help them. And I don't know how the Cowboys are going to lose this game unless they commit a bunch of turnovers because the Jets are literally just having nothing. I mean, they can't do anything. They can't run. They can't protect, which means they can't pass. And as soon as those words come out of my mouth, 721 of the second quarter, it's first and 10. The Jets do what they probably should have tried to do a little bit earlier. They go play action on first down because the Cowboys are coming hard against the run. And they hit Garrett Wilson, the former Ohio State stud, on like a skinny post kind of. And he catches the ball. And just as he catches it, um, I forget. I forget, so forgive me. Somebody tried to knock that pass down. I think it was and Gilmore. they just missed it. I think it was Gilmore. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. Gilmore was in it trail. was Gilmore. He was like in a trail position. And so he didn't get the pass. Malik Hooker, who's a pretty sure tackler, comes up. He's supposed to tackle Garrett Wilson right there for about a 15-yard gain. Let's go back to first down. Instead, he took a poor angle, couldn't get Wilson down, really didn't even stop slowing him down all that much. And next thing you know, that dude's gone 68 yards for a touchdown, and you're like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You dominated the game for a quarter and a half, and the score is 10-7, to 7, and the Jets are like, yeah, baby, we got a chance. Uh, but it's the Cowboys that want to do, man. Uh, they, took, uh, they took the ball, and they took basically the rest of the half almost, man. They came down and uh, put together a really nice drive. Aided by a couple key penalties as a roughing the passer, man, on third and seven from the Jets' 11, which gave him a first down. And then on third and 13, because they had a penalty, um, you had a uh, holding, you had a pass interference call against uh, Jalen Tolbert. How about that? Jalen Tolbert, who did nothing last year as a third round pick out of South Alabama. He lined up uh, Did nothing last week. He lined up all sides one time. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah, and um, so he caught three passes on his first drive, and here he is helping out, man. And uh, he draws a pass interference in the end zone. Uh, they throw a pass to another tight end, Schoolmaker, the uh, third round pick out of Michigan. And it's and then how about this, man? They got a rough in the pass to call, and then I'm always curious about your opinion on this. So they take the penalty and move the ball to the one and go for two. Would you do that on a regular basis, or would you just give me the one in the 17-7 lead? It depends on how you feel about your offensive line. You know, that guard-center-guard combination, because that's where you get all your push in on the goal line. Um, yeah, I'd go for it, because if you got a quarterback that can do a good quarterback sneak, and you half the distance to, you know, from on the goal line, and that ball is it's just, just away. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I try. Right. Why not? Well, they took well, – well, Tony Pollard went right off right in. Did They bulldozed into the end zone, no problem, 18-10. Uh, 18-7. They did give up a field goal at the end of the first half because Zach Wilson just started running, man. He couldn't get no – he couldn't complete no passes. So, basically, he just took off, man. He scrambled once for 12, then he scrambled once for 16, then he scrambled once for 5, and uh, they ended up with a 34-yard field goal. And I was saying this again. I was like, the Cowboys are in complete control. Nobody watching the game feels like the Jets are the better team. Yet I'm sitting here looking at the score, and it's 18-10, to 10 and the Jets got the ball to start the second half. And I'm just like, I don't, you know, this is what happens when you don't score touchdowns when you should. Yeah. But it's the nature of the league. You got to put people away. They hadn't put them away yet, and I'm just like, you know, you don't want this to get to a situation where it becomes dangerous. Um, so, uh, make a long story short, they, they get a stop to start the uh, third quarter. And then, man, the Cowboys do their thing. They go down there and get a touchdown. I mean, a field goal. And they kind of set the tone, man. Um, the good thing about this game is I think you learned a lot about Brandon Aubrey. He kicked five field goals. Um, and here's the thing I like about him. Uh, because he kicked uh, – I was looking this up right quick. Uh, he kicked field goals of 35, 21, 
boomed one from 55, 26 and 30. So the 55 one was a challenge. But the thing I liked about all of them, they were all right down the middle with a lot of height and a lot of length, which means he's seeing the ball well, he's kicking it well, and for the, until he gives me a reason to doubt him, I'm just going to relax about the whole kicking thing for now because, hey, I think it's in good hands right now. Uh, and so the Jets, uh, as they fell behind 24-10 and then 27-10 and finally 30-10, Cowboys defense just suffocated them. There was nothing they could really do. They never felt threatened. And uh, I just thought that uh, it was a terrific performance by the Cowboys. Uh, they get the Arizona Cardinals next week. Um, they do got a couple injuries we got to look at one for. The number one injury is uh, Zach Martin. He got leg whipped late in the game, and uh, he had uh, a wrap around his knee and his shin. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, couldn't, don't have any more information right now, but we'll see how he feels tomorrow and monitor him during the week. Tyler Smith still out with a hamstring. And then, man, Udoga, who had been playing guard for Smith, he got hurt. And so at one point toward the end of the game, man, you had a couple dudes named, no no pun, no no fun intended, Joe playing guard for the Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how the – we'll see how the – Okay, if you really want their name, was T.J. Bass and the same Richards. But yeah, you know, for the pun, purposes of this the, discussion. The pun was very intended, but all right then. That's yeah. <laughs> so a couple dude, couple guys named Joe playing guard. So, um, yeah. uh, Cowboys off to a good start. 2-0. and oh, And um, I got to tell you, it's a uh, they look dominant. They look like one of the best teams in the NFL. But the journey is long. Mm-hmm. It's long. There's no other way to say it. Um there's no need to talk about Super Bowls and championship games and all that. All you need to do right now is just stack those dubs and see where you are around Thanksgiving and see if you can stay away from the major injuries. Yep, bank them wins. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a pretty good game for CeeDee Lamb because I was saying before the game I thought he should catch at least 11 balls. And it's the first time in his career to me where he's lived up to 88, where he's definitely defined, definitely this game, he was he was definitely the number one receiver. It was the offense, that right. offense helps him define him being the number one receiver. Well, check this out. Hold that thought, because we're going to get into CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott in a little bit. Okay. Uh, right now, though, I got to tell y'all about something. Uh, we're very happy to have Smokey Johns as a sponsor. And Smokey Johns, they do have what I like to call the best barbecue in Dallas. And it doesn't matter whether you're getting the ribs, whether you're getting the catfish, whether you're getting the smoked wings on Wednesday, but what they have done previously for Jam Session and what they've done for Jacques Talk is this. You ask for the secret menu, all right, for those of you new to the show, and ask for the Jam Session Bowl. I'm going to bring you one one day, Joe. And Jam Session Bowl is incredible. It's a feast. What it is... It's a bowl with a mac and cheese base or a macaroni or a mashed potatoes base. It's your pick. You get to choose. Then you get to pick two out of five smoked meats. Your boy usually rocks with the sausage and the brisket. Then, check this out, man. All this stuff you find on a loaded baked potato. You know, bacon, chives, sour cream, uh, butter if you rock like that, cheese. They put all of that on top of that, okay? Then... You know, this Smokey John sauce is unbelievable. You can either drizzle it, which is what I prefer, or you can drench that thing like some friends of mine prefer. That, my friends, is the Jam Session Bowl. It's phenomenal. It's enough food for two people, real talk. If you got a little shorty, the three of y'all can eat off of it. If it's just one person, you got leftovers the next day. So next time you're in downtown Dallas, right off of Mockingbird, swing by Smokey John's, ask for the Jam Session Bowl, and check this out. Just send your boy a thank you card later. So let's get into that defense, man. And let's get into one guy in particular. Y'all know who I'm talking about. I don't know, and, and y'all feel free to tell me. I don't know that you can talk enough about Micah Parsons and, and, and his performance and what he means to the Cowboys 
and how it looks to me like he's determined to be the defensive player of the year. And he said in that tone early. He's trying to get that thing and run away with it early. Now, his stats were good, but I don't really think that they told the impact of his performance. I mean, I think he had four tackles. He also had a tackle for loss. He had two sacks, four quarterback hits, and unofficially six pressures. But it goes deeper than that. Deeper than that. He forced a fumble on just a a phenomenal play. Just a phenomenal play where he strips Dalvin Cook of the ball. But how about this? That interception from J. Ron Curse, that's some more of Michael Parsons' work. Why? Because he put pressure on Zach Wilson, forced him out of bounds, and uh, just as he was out of bounds, he threw, and uh, there was really nobody there but J. Ron Curse, who picked the ball off and set up yet another field goal for your Dallas Cowboys. And so, Michael Parsons just turned into dominating performance. And the thing about it to me is, when you look at the pass rush, the reason why he's such a factor is not only his immense talent, but here we go, man. You have no idea where he's lining up. Is he lining up over left end? I mean, over the left tackle? Is he lining up over the right tackle? Is he lining up over the center? Is he lining up next to one of the guards? You know, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. You just have to be inside of Dan Quinn's mind to try to figure out what he's trying to do. But the results are phenomenal. I want y'all to check his out. If you got access to the All-22, check it out. If you don't and you DVR the game or you got YouTube TV and it's in your library, just go check it out. And just go check out the Micah Parson pass rushes. They're unbelievable, bro. They're literally unbelievable. He's beating his man so fast that the quarterback doesn't have a whole lot of time to throw it. Here's the other thing. When he comes off the edge, he's moving in such a way that he's disrupting everything and guys like Odigizua are getting sacks. And so they've got a real good thing going right now. And it's all about Michael Parsons to me. Um... What did you think, uh, Big Joe, yeah. on the forced fumble from Dalvin Cook? Well, that's just one of them things where he he's always looking to make a play. You know, you got somebody, some guys that are looking to do a kill shot or get a piece of the action. I thought it was a heads-up play when he comes in and he yanks the ball out. A lot of times that ball is wagging around and guys don't even pay attention to it. But the playmakers always make a play on the ball. LT did it. Um, the, a lot of safeties do it. A lot of cornerbacks do it. Um, yeah, I think he was. he's always looking to make a play, whether it's a strip sack, a sack, running somebody down. He got. He has an incredible motor, an incredible motor. So score is um, 21-10. And Dallas has just kicked the 21-yard field goal drive, stalled at the Jets 3 uh, I didn't really like that red zone possession because they tried to tight end around with Pendershot on first and goal from the one. And I was just like, I don't know if you need that. I mean, it'd been cool if it worked, but since it didn't, I can second guess it. Uh, but they, they, but that drive started end up with twenty one yard field goal. So it's first and ten for the Jets at the thirty nine, and Dalvin Cook goes off left tackle man and gets tackled. And as he's as as Michael Parsons, Michael Parsons delivers the first hit, and as he's bringing him down, he literally rips the ball out of his hands. Then it's on the. I, I don't think it ever came loose. I think he had it, and then he fell down and he got back up. No, it was loose. He fell down. He picked it up and sprinted into the end zone for what would have been a touchdown, except uh, one of the Jets' offensive linemen touched his knee or touched his body while he was down, so they brought it back. Um, and that drive ended up with a uh, with the fifty five yard field goal by Aubrey. But I'm telling you, man, Michael Parsons set that tone. And at the time, I think I tweeted out that you know Michael Parsons in uh, training camp talked about putting taking his teammates into the deep water, all right, which is you know making them really push to get the best from themselves. And dude, I think he's going out of his way to be that incredible leader by example. 
in addition to vocal leader. And, you know, I said this a long time ago, uh, and I say it about the best of the best players, but, but I really refer to Kirby Puckett when I'm talking about it. Um, that night, the, the uh, you know, Kirby Puckett was so good with the Twins when they won the World Series. He basically said, I got y'all. Hop on my back. Watch me do my thing. Let's go win this World Series. Dog, I can't lie to you. I feel like Michael Parsons is saying, I'm so good, hop on my back, and let's go win the Super Bowl. Because, uh, you know, go ahead. Let me interject here. I want to talk about the, his first sack where he and Demarcus Lawrence lined up beside each other. I think what the Jets right. did, what, what teams usually do when him and Demarcus Lawrence line up side by side like that with Marcus Lawrence on the inside, they'll shift the protection to him. That gives uh, Dor- Dorian Armstrong, whoever's on that side, on the back side, they, they chase him over there. But I think the Jets stood pat. They didn't shift the they didn't shift the the the, the blocking, the pass blocking to that side. That's why he was able to go up and loop around, get to the quarterback so fast. So if you shift it. The other guy's going to get the quarterback. Dorian Armstrong, who had eight and a half sacks last year, two last week, he's going to get he going to get the quarterback. But because it, it seemed to me like they stayed packed instead of shifting, they just stayed where they was at, Mike was able to loop underneath really easily and knock the piss out of Zach Martin. And that was just <laughs> – that, that had me hollering right there. I mean, this is the first time in my life that – I watch the Cowboys, and I'm saying, okay, offense, go get some points so defense so defense can hurry up and get back out there so you're going to see what they're going to do next. That's how big a star Michael Parsons is to me. I can't wait to see him do his thing, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that. No, I think uh, when you look at Michael Parsons uh, and what he's meant to the defense, uh, he, he interjects them with that confidence because, you know, what did we talk about when we said it was time – you know, for them to beat the Jets. Okay, you got to stop the running game. It's not it's not optional. That's what you that's what you must do if you're going to win the game. And they got Brees Hall, who had 126 yards. Uh last week had an 80 80 uh 83 yard run. Had another one for 26. And you're just like, "Well, damn. Uh you know, the Cowboys run defense has been shady in the past. That's why they drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round." Uh, that's why they acquired Jonathan Hakins for a six-round pick. And so you're like, man, I hope, you know, even though the Jets' offensive line is shady, I hope that they can go stop the Jets' uh, running game. Well, Lord have mercy. They did more to stop the Jets' running game. They really slowed that thing down. Um, Brees Hall, four carries, nine yards. Dalvin Cook. Four carries, seven yards. Zach Wilson, who is not supposed to be leading the team in rushing, five for 36. They ended up with 16 carries, 64 yards as a team. But if you just talk about the running backs, which is what we're talking about, the running backs went 11 for 28. They shut that thing down. Uh, no running, The running back longest run was a gain of nine. And what they did, man, by shutting that running game down is what? They put them in second and long. They put them in third and long. And when they when that happened, dude, the drive was over because Zach Wilson was not good enough as a passer to uh, to execute and, and, and get them down the field to lead them first downs. And check this out. We knew that when the game started. This ain't no surprise. They weren't going to be able to throw the ball uh, unless they could throw it when they wanted to throw it and how they wanted to throw it. So as soon as they stopped the running game, man, and they built a little bit of a lead, this thing to me was over. Uh, Zach Wilson, 12 for 27 for 170 yards, uh, 38.1 passer rating, one touchdown, three interceptions. Um, he was up under duress much of the game. Uh, Cowboys sacked him three times. But uh, they hit him more than that, pressured him quite a bit. And uh, this, man, this defense, you know, we've discussed it before. 
This is the first time in a long time, maybe ever, maybe ever. I think ever. That the Cowboys have been all about defense, or the defense has been the best unit on the team, not the offense. Because remember, uh, whether we were talking back with Tex Schramm and Gil Brent, rest in peace, or Tom Landry, you know, those teams always had their triplets. Yep. Right? Yep. They had Roger, they had Drew, they had Tony. All right? Even when they tried to betray Tony and bring in Herschel Walker, but we will talk about that on another yeah. day. Yeah, for real. They still try to get their triplets. As you move forward, it says Jerry era. He ain't know no better. All he knew was when I showed up, the Cowboys drafted Michael in 88, Troy in 89, Emmett in 90. My triplets. We won three Super Bowls. They all went to the Hall of Fame. So it seems to me like you need to have them triplets on the team. And even as those guys retired and became Hall of Famers, if you think about that great team, I think they're a great team. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they're just a really, really good team. Whatever it was, that 2014 team mm-hmm. when DeMarco Murray goes for 1,845 yards and Dez Bryant goes for 1,600 yards Dez and Cowley. Tony Romo is throwing that thing. Yeah. Hey, man, he it was the catch. There should have been a catch. There wasn't a catch. There should have been. Uh, yeah. That was an offense built around triplets. But, dude. Everybody's searching their memory bank trying to figure out when was the last time the Cowboys defense was really the best unit on the team. And maybe, I'm just saying, maybe it was all the way back in them Super Bowl teams from the 70s, especially the one in 71 where it's Bob Lilly and Chuck Howley still doing their thing. Mm, okay. And it's back, but, you know, Mel Renfro's on defense. You know, you got Dwayne Thomas who's good running back. You got Bob Hayes on offense. But maybe that was the last time when they were an outstanding team where the defense trumped the offense. Because, again, when you go to 77, you're back to, Mike, you're back to Roger, Drew, and the rookie man. Dorsett, even you though had, you had Martin you had Harvey and Randy Martin. White. Yeah, Harvey Martin, Randy White, Tutal Jones, Hollywood. Yeah, it's almost even kind of. No, that's what I think. Uh, so, as as you talk about the Cowboys defense and you look at it, and you're just like, wow, phenomenal, man. Really good. They led the league in turnovers last year. They off to another great start when it comes to turnovers. And I'm telling y'all, it's because they got dudes who the ball finds. All those years when they didn't have turnovers, it's because they had a roster full of guys who never did the ball find them. Now they got a roster full of guys where the ball does find them. So you got Michael Parsons, you know, being responsible for two turnovers. The strip fumble from Dalvin Cook is one, and then he forces uh, under pressure uh, Zach Wilson to make a bad throw that J. Ryan intercepts and almost takes to the house. Then you got a deep ball where Malik Hooker comes over, and I got to give Garrett Wilson credit. He turned uh, your boy Tavon, Trayvon Diggs into a, into the washing machine, man. Yeah. He put him in a ringer, and uh, he was like two or three yards in front of him. But Malik Hooker played the ball perfectly, came over there and snatched it at the end. And then, to make up, hey, Trayvon Diggs got that pick. I don't know who Zach was throwing to on that pick that Trayvon Diggs got. I really have no idea. I looked at it about eight times, and I still couldn't figure out where he wanted to go with the ball. And so there will be stiffer tests coming down the road, okay? So I'm not talking about, like I said, Super Bowl and all of that. I'm talking about how they look and how they play. And his defense looks damn good. I mean, they are flying around. They are making plays. uh, Four forced turnovers today. And uh, they are playing like they want to be considered, as Michael Parsons said, the number one defense in the National Football League. 215 yards on 46 plays, only gave up 12 first downs. How about this, man? On on third down, the Jets, one for 10. 
Um, I'm telling you, man, this defense to me is different. They talk trash. Um, they get in your face. They got playmakers. And now they'll see better offenses, but now at least they can be competitive against the run. Because you know San Francisco's coming up in a few weeks. Uh, hopefully both teams will be undefeated, setting up the, the regular season's first game of the century this year. But uh, it's going to be really, really fun if this defense can continue to improve and play the way it has and understand that it can dominate games. It don't have to take a backseat to nobody. Uh, they're that good, man. They're Wow, are they good. And y'all know I don't get too excited about it too much. I really don't. Because all the years I've, I've covered the National Football League, I've seen quite a bit. So it's not that very much um, gets me to going, wow, how impressive is that? But what these Dallas Cowboys are doing on defense, let me tell y'all something. That is, uh, that's definitely something to take note of. As we move into the Cowboys offense, and we're talking about the Cowboys 30-10 to 10 win over the Jets on Sunday night, pushing them to 2-0. and um, Philadelphia beat Minnesota the other day, so they were also 2-0. and The Giants, how about that? Rallied from 21-0 down, I think, to the Cardinals to beat them 31-28. And then Washington rallied from 21-3. Did you see the Washington game, man? I saw, I saw a little bit of it. I saw, I saw highlights. Duh. Washington is up 21-3. It's down 21-3. They take a 35-24 lead. Then the score is 35-27. And the, the Broncos are trying to drive the length of the field to tie the score. Nobody on guys green earth thinks that they can do it. And there's, uh, I believe there's like two or three seconds left. Russell gets the ball. There's pressure. He rolls right. And just as he's about to throw it, it looks like he's throwing it from about his 40 or 45-yard line. Somebody leaps and hits him right in the face as he's throwing it. Hey, man, you can say what you want to about Russell Wilson. You really can. That ball traveled about 60 yards in the air as that man was getting hit in the face. Got deflected about four times. And then one of uh, one of Denver's receivers caught it in the end zone to make it 35-33, the ultimate Hail Mary. And then as fate would have it, they could not complete the third of the two-point conversion, so they lost 35-33. Uh, so my point being, Washington won, the Giants won, and so the Cowboys with a win stay uh, one game ahead of them very early in the NFL race. As we look at the Cowboys' offense, man, I got to tell you, got to tell you, I like what I see from two guys. We'll make it three guys. One of them you addressed briefly, and we'll get into him more right now. That's CeeDee Lamb. The other guy I like, and we'll talk about him in just a minute, is Dak Prescott. And then the third guy I like, and we'll talk about him in a couple minutes, is Mike McCarthy. Because they're all doing their thing on offense. But CeeDee Lamb, man, he here's what I like about CeeDee Lamb. Last week when he spoke to the media on Thursday, he said, hey, they got DJ Reed on one side. They got Sauce Gardner on the other side. Both of those guys are excellent. They don't travel. So I'm going to have to do some work against Sauce. I'm going to have to do some work against DJ Reed. And then you know what I do in the slot. Um, I got to do what I got to do there. But this is what I like, man. He said, oh, I look forward to these games. These games determine, you know, kind of where I fit in the hierarchy. And I love the challenge of going against the best cornerbacks in the league because I think I'm pretty good too. Man, CD made some money this weekend, man. I'm, I'm saying, you know, his contract is up. I mean, it's not up. He's getting a new contract. Uh, they've already committed to his fifth-year option. Uh, but still, he's getting a new contract. And the question has always been, where do you pay him? What do you pay him? Is he a top five guy? Is he a top 10 guy? Is he a top 15 guy? Where is he? Well, after two weeks, 
I think CeeDee Lamb is moving closer to 10 than 5. Like, I think he's probably 9, 10, 11, somewhere like that. If You know, once you start ranking them and once once you really do a little bit of research on it. But uh, his performance uh, this week, outstanding, against two of the best corners in the league. CeeDee Lamb had a fantastic day. He ended up with... Uh, Dang, I thought I had stats right here, man. 11, 11 for 143, uh, I think. And uh, yes. targeted uh, 13 times. Now, what did you like about his performance? I think, like I said before, I think he stepped up. And for the first time in his career, he was, you know, playing like a defined, true number one. And unlucky for Jerry, lucky for him that he's playing for Mike McCarthy right now. Or they scheming to get him open. You know, he instead of him having to go out and beat somebody, I mean, he's going to have plays where he have to beat somebody, but a lot of the offense is designed to get him open. And I thought they fed him real well. When was the last time you saw a guy? And you probably have to look. Maybe it was Dez Bryant where, or Miles Austin where a guy got consistently fed the ball. Maybe when Amari Cooper first got here. But it was like, I said before the game, if he catches eleven balls, we're gonna win this game. That's what he called. This is this he's truly number eighty eight now. He's truly a number one in this offense. And this offense is, is really conducive to, to his him having good numbers. And I like what I see. Why is it? Because he, he, he can be more consistent. I mean he can he don't have to go out and be a, a world beater. If they scheming, now he's going to have routes where he got to beat somebody. And he does that. But he got routes where they getting him in space. And they just designing the offense to get him the ball. We don't have to wait on Dak to decide to get him the ball. Or we don't have to watch Dalton Schultz. He was a good player. Catch seven balls for 54 yards. Putting the ball in the hand of your playmakers. And that's the best football. That's a lot of things. That's why Jerry Rice could catch 100 balls. Oh, you think Jerry Rice the best receiver in the world and he beat somebody every time? Nah, they schemed him to get open, whether it be put him in the backfield, the slot, all over. So all the training that he had before is paying off now where he was the slot, he was the second receiver, and then he was the now he's the number one guy. So he can he can play all over. And he catches balls short, long, wherever. And that's what you gotta do to be great. All right. Now I'm just saying this. I'm not trying to start an argument. Okay, but he but he did have eight games last year where he had ten targets or more. Okay, what did he, he had 11, 11, 12, 10, 15, 11, 11, 14. Mm-hmm. So and I think he finished uh, fifth in the league in reception. So I think he's st- I think the two things we were missing from him last year. Well, I can't even say that because now I'm looking at his numbers. He ended up with five hundred yard games. Yeah, uh, and he was really good in the second half of the year. So this may be yeah. just a continued, a continuation of what he did last year when Dak got back. But see, a lot um, of his, a lot but, of his yards was that come from behind stuff. A lot of it was empty yards. Okay. A lot of times, you look at the scores of some of them games, and then targets only mean something if you catching the ball. You know, you got fifteen targets, six catches. 58 yards, what does that mean, 15 targets? That's, that's what I'm saying. All right. Let me see. Well, the time he did get 15 targets against Green Bay, called 11 for 150, which oh. is what you're supposed to do. Okay. Um, you know, but anyway, I, I think the point is that CD has elevated himself into the conversation as one of the league's best receivers. Uh, you know, to me, he also had, I think, two or three receptions of more than uh, 20 yards. Uh, those big plays, which is what leads to touchdowns on most uh, on most occasions. Yeah, uh, Cowboys had sold for quite a few field goals today, so no. But um, Ceedee Lamb, he had receptions of 20, 21, and 25 yards. Okay, so last year was he was amongst the leaders in twenty catches of twenty yards or more. So he's doing what he does, man. And uh, dude, if, if they and he did that today 
without Brandon Cooks, who actually missed the game with spraying MCL. Now, at some point, today is not the day, we got we to gotta go look at Michael Gallup, who had one catch for three yards. Uh, and I'm not saying that's good, bad, or whatever. I'm just saying we have to go examine Michael Gallup and see what's up. Uh, because Jalen Tolbert played today, and he had three catches on one drive. Now, they went for a lot of yards, but they figured out a way to give him the ball and let him make some plays. And the Cowboys, it seems to me, aren't quite sure how to get the ball to Michael Gallup. And so he's not getting the ball. Um, but I think before it's all said and done, uh, they're going to need Cooks. They're going to need Gallup or Tolbert to make some plays to help this passing offense. Um, the other guy that we wanted to talk about, Dak Prescott. Boy, looks good to me. Looks real good to me. And, um, I mean, I know the, the, the Dak hate hive is out there. Bzz, bzz. I know y'all out there buzzing around. But the reality is you have to look hard if you want to criticize Dak. 31, 38, 255, two touchdowns. And to me, just me, he seemed to complete control of the offense. He had one bad throw, uh, almost picked off by Sauce Gardner when he threw late in the flat. It looked like he clutched it and then tried to go back, which is never a good idea. Two bad throws. Uh, Two. Right. He missed, he missed Ferguson wide open in the end zone. Right. Yeah, I ain't talking. I'm, yeah, that happened. I'm talking about – I was talking more about interceptable throws. So, yeah, he had a bad throw. He missed uh, He missed Jake Ferguson wide open in the end zone. Yep. Um you know, you can't do that, but you do that because you're human. Uh, you know, but you prefer not to see that. And so I think uh, that, you know, continues to look really good in this offense. Uh, they seems to me uh, that they put a – they use a lot of movement with him, whether it's rolling out left or right. Um, he's very rarely in the same spot. Uh, they use some three steps, five step, and uh, he's getting the ball out quick again. Um, dude, he looks good to me. He looks like the kind of guy who should be averaging quite, you know, right around $40-something million a year. And he has all the leverage in negotiations with the Cowboys. So they are going to pay out the ass to keep him. It's just that simple. And it looks to me, again, this is just me, looks to me like he's on pace to have a monster year. That's what it looks to me because – He's going to throw the ball around. They're trying to be efficient. And can I talk to you fantasy football owners for a second? Like, Dak was good today. 255 yards, a couple touchdowns. I don't know how that stacks up in the point system. He doesn't care how it stacks up in the point season either. Here is all Dak said he cares about. Winning! That's what you want your quarterback to say. Now, every quarterback says, yeah, I'm all about winning, man. But then when they throw the ball for 150 yards, they got the side eye. They're not happy. Dak has had the gaudy numbers. He's done everything within reason except what, man? He hadn't won by NFL standards. He hadn't had a playoff run. Um, they haven't been able to get past the divisional round of the playoffs. Now is the time. Uh, Dak looks good in this offense. I think this offense provides a lot to him. And one reason, or you tell me, man, one way you don't throw interceptions is you get the ball out quick and you get the ball to your backs as check down so that you don't force the ball into coverage. The running backs today, man, 11 carries, I mean, 11 catches, I think, 70 yards. Tony Pollard had seven. And the thing I like about it is um, this was some good tackling today um, by the Jets, as you would expect, because they're a really good defense. But when you throw the ball in the flat as much as the Cowboys did, you're getting it to, to uh, Pollard in space. It only takes those guys one missed tackle to turn into a huge gain. And, yes, while the Jets made all their tackles, there's no guarantee whatsoever Arizona's going to make all of its or the Patriots are going to make all of theirs the next week. 
And so the way the offense is designed uh, for Dak to be efficient, I love it, man. He looks great in it, and I think he's going to put up some huge numbers by the end of the end of the year. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. But I think what helped Dak the most was that Tony Pollard had a good game. Tony Pollard was 25 for 72, 2.9 yards rushing. Why do I call that? That don't a, sound like a good game. That's a great game. That's a gritty game. That's a game that says you got to pay attention to our play action because we're not going to ever give up on the run. You know, that that holds everybody. That, 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 that opens the passing lanes. That 25 for 72, why it don't look sexy, it don't even look good in the box score. It means that we are never going to give up. You can't make us give up on our game plan. You can't make us give up on number 20. So you got to pay attention when Dak stick that ball in his belly and then see if he pull it out. See, if, without the 25 carries, eh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if the passing lane opens like they do, like they are. I don't. You know what I'm saying? You got to have. We men, you always used to talk about that. That's that. What's that? That's the Curtis Martin effect. Well, Curtis Martin have a whole lot of games, 28 for 102 or 28 for 78, where you got to make sure you letting the defense know, no matter what you do, you're going to have to watch play action, and you're going to have to watch Tony, and he might bust your ass if you ain't looking. And that's <laughs> that affects everything. It's the whole It's the whole package. It's the um, – like the Jets gave up. You're talking about four, and, four for nine? Uh, yeah, yeah, eight eight carries, seventeen yards for the run back. They they just quit, but you couldn't make Tony quit. I thought it was a good game by him. You want to see them fourteen for one hundred and fifty yard games, but his game, yeah, his, yeah. his game is rounding out with twenty five for seventy something. So that's why I say it was a good game for him. He showed a lot of toughness, and he was getting three yards and all that. You know, it ain't sexy, but it's something you got to do. Last guy I want to talk about, Mike McCarthy. You know, he, he took the Cowboys 12 and 5 his last two years. First time that they've done that since the mid 90s. Uh, nice trying to take them to the playoffs for the third consecutive year. That hasn't happened since the 90s. But I got to tell you, I think he's doing a nice job as a play caller. For overall, nobody calls 100% great plays. Or all the, you know, or they score every time they touch the ball. But it seems to me he's got a he's, he understands how he wants to mix the game with running pads. And when they got the lead in the fourth quarter, dog, what did he do? Hey man, we finna run this thing. That's that's where that's Tony what the Pollard, best teams do. That's where Tony Pollard come in. Hey, we gonna run this thing, run this thing, kill the clock, and and we good. That's uh, what I'm saying. You know, so it's interesting to watch Mike McCarthy do his thing. I was surprised to see Deuce Vaughn in the game in like the second or third series. Uh, He ended up with three carries and three catches. And so it became clear that, oh, Deuce Vaughn is part of the package every week. It's just how soon we get to it and what are we going to allow him to do. Same thing with your boy Turpin. Uh, I think he carried the ball once. I think he caught a pass today. Again, these space guys, as long as you make the tackle, it's good. But if you ever miss, dude, it's going to be heartbreak ridge for you. And so I think that they're comfortable playing like that. And um, Mike McCarthy's doing the thing. It's only been two games, all right? I get that. Yep. But you got to like what you see in terms of the offense and how it's working and how guys are getting a chance to run after the catch. And uh, as everybody gets more in tune, I think it's going to be lethal. One of the things Mike McCarthy's doing is um, he's making sure a lot of different people touch the ball. A lot of different running backs are touching the ball. Uh, A lot of different receivers are touching the ball. All the tight ends touched the ball today or had passes directed their way. Uh, I think it's good. You keep everybody involved like that. You keep everybody fresh. Then everybody stays committed to the cause. Everybody stays committed to what's in the best interest of the Cowboys and winning football games. Um, you know, this team is, uh, I like them, man. They're off to a good start. Uh, before we end this show, um, I put it out there on Twitter that I would uh, take a few questions uh, from the Twitter universe about the game. So, 
let's go. Let's talk about this. Well, you know, you always got you always got one. You got uh, Melvin Royal on Twitter. Why the three point drives? Why are the Cowboys only able to get three points on a drive? You know, okay, check this out, Melvin. They did good last week scoring touchdowns. They didn't do so good this week scoring touchdowns. Uh, the Jets, I believe, based off of last week, had the best red zone defense in the league. Uh, if you watched the game, you saw that the Jets were flying around the ball anytime it was in between the 20 or the red zone. And so I think their focus increased. Uh, Mike McCarthy, did every play call he made was not the best play call. It was not great. Some of them didn't work. I've already told you I didn't like to end the tight end around the hinder shot at the goal line. I just prefer to run it up the gut behind the fullback and see if we can get it in. Um, but check this out, man. Your team is averaging 35 points a game. Chill out. Enjoy it. Relax. Okay? Um, Rafael Figueroa. Hey, I want to know, based on the first two wins, where do you have the Cowboys by the end of the season? Okay, Raphael, check this out, man. Listen to me. Listen very carefully. Enjoy the process. Just enjoy it, man. Quit worrying about it. We're going to get to the Super Bowl. We're going to get to the championship game. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Literally, just enjoy and embrace the hold moment. Hold up, hold up, hold up. What, dog? If you're going to pray, you got to pause for the amen. <laughs> amen. Amen to both of them things. Chill the hell out. Uh, we want W's. That's what we trying to get here. W's. We've been talking about banking them wins. Hey, amen. Oh, sorry about that. I, I didn't hear the church organ music playing. Yeah, uh, I'm working you on know, it. So <laughs> enjoy it. Um, Jay, Cowboy Rome on Twitter. What do you think about the Deuce package? I like the Deuce Vaughn package. I loved... Um, it was productive, and one of the best plays came on a play that I loved it because it said, hey, we're getting the ball to Deuce. Gotcha! Used him as a decoy, and it hit City Land for about 20 yards, I think. And what it was was they brought Deuce in motion. As he got toward the tight end on the other side, he looped around like an orbit motion, for those of you who understand what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. And then Dak looked at him. And I think he maybe even gave him a little bit of a pump fake like he was going to deuce. And that allowed, that made the cornerback who was doing CD come up to tackle deuce, opened up a lane for CD, and he hit CD for about a 20-something yard gain. That was a beautifully constructed play. And that, my friends, is the kind of stuff I'm talking about when two or three times a game with your naked eye, you'll see uh, McCarthy call a play that scheme somebody open. And it's yep. just a beautiful thing when it happens. Beautiful, beautiful route combinations. That's the yeah. best. That's the thing. Cause you got two playmakers in the route combination. When he looked off Dowdell and Dowdell and you thought he was going to throw Dowdle, I get his name mixed up, but you thought he was going to, Dak was going to drop it off to him. And he just looked a little bit up, hit CD up the sideline for a big game. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty good stuff from Mike. I like Mike. Yeah, I like the deuce package. Uh, Vaughn had a big had a big pass, in the, mm-hmm. I think, or is that a run? No, that was a run around right in uh, where he got about 16 yards. So, no, it was nice, man. I think um, I think he belongs in the league. And the longer the season goes, uh, the more you'll see from him as they really figure out all the different things he can do and how to get him involved. Because the hardest thing with those gadget guys, and I mean that as a compliment, not as a as a shot, mm. is that they can't just be every, they can't touch the ball every time they're in the game. Because otherwise defense just goes, hey, 42 in the game, 42 in the game. And they'll swarm him. So you got to spread the ball around. And just when they done forgot to check for 42, that's when they say he in the game and he's gonna bust your ass on this play. Watch. Um Let's take one more from the Twitterverse before we uh, before we get out of here. And uh, I think that is, uh, we'll go with Mo at Kamar underscore New York. Mike McCarthy having to trust Dak early until he felt the lead was safe enough to take the ball out of Dak's hands. Whatever. Yeah, I don't, go ahead, man. I just said whatever. I don't know. Okay, I was going to say I don't really buy that, dog. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, but I also believe you see what you want to see. 
on a 30 to 10 performance where the quarterback was 31 to 38 for 255, you want to act like he didn't play very well or he had limited uh, impact on the team's overall success. And to that, I just say, come on, man. I will tell you when Duck Pre- when Dak Prescott sucks. And how about this? He will probably tell you when he sucks. Yeah, he gonna because it doesn't on, happen often. Yeah, he gonna fall on his sword. That's just we, we just got tired of hearing it last year because he was playing bad, and he would tell you he playing bad. But we got tired of him saying that. But nah, he don't turn the ball over. I don't. I don't. Hey, they get the W. It's all good. <laughs> All right, well, it's been a long day in Philadelphia. So uh, we're going to call it a night tonight. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, For Big Joe and the Big Rig, I'm Jean-Jacques Taylor. Until we talk again, be blessed. Don't forget, Todd Archer makes his season debut on Jock Talk next Wednesday. Hey, one other thing. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Jock Talk. And hey, go tell a friend if you like the show. We'll thank you later. I promise. Have a good night, everybody.